0: What's going on guys, welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma, Mike Hoon here, your host, back with another episode, exciting news. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, who have been telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com and then definitely follow them on Instagram for all the information that you need, because I'm sure that's where you follow us as well, at oklahomahof. Let's get into today's episode what's up guys welcome back to another episode of this is oklahoma mike hearn here your host back with another episode up in edmond today um sat outside so if there's a little bit of background wind i apologize it's not a huge deal it is oklahoma and the wind is actually like five mile an hour today so i'm not too worried about it uh yeah up in edmond today sat with uh, rachel cannon thank you so much for inviting me to the house and to come hang out and share some stories um i guess official welcome back from This Is Oklahoma to Oklahoma. Thank you. I'm sure it's real nice to come back and see family and hang out and you know, family can see the little one and, and it's much easier to palm off the little one to grandparents and parents than it is to just find a nanny and stuff. I can't imagine. Nannies in
1: LA are cheap. Um, uh, cheap or trustworthy or... That's very true. You know, they're busy. They're like watching three or four families yeah. just to be able to make ends meet. So I'm like, am I getting you on the exhausted shift <laughs> or <laughs> did you just wake up?
0: Uh, amazing. So people can Google you they know exactly you know they can find out the little things about you you know you've been on Mad Men you've been on Two and a Half Men I think Fresh Off the Boat was something I've seen Mad Men I've seen Two and a Half Men I have no idea what Fresh Off the Boat is so I apologize for <laughs> everyone listening that's like you don't know what that is I apologize I didn't that's grow up right. here it's my bad um, but we just had a cool chat about some of the amazing stuff that you've done and, and been out in, in LA you know for 20 years doing acting and interviewing and all these amazing things that I think a lot of people grow up probably wanting to do like that was the dream I guess for our generation back then, and like now, the dream is to be a YouTuber and sit in your house and you know have millions of views on YouTube or TikTok or whatever it is. But I think you know, it'd be really interesting that we know the stuff we're going to talk about, um, just you know, what it's like going from Oklahoma, especially back then, to LA and Hollywood and doing all this stuff, and you're like. The world is totally different out there. Um, What, you know, so it says on on Google, you know, that you're from Tulsa. Is that right?
1: I was born in Tulsa. Okay.
0: How long did you spend living in Tulsa before you moved?
1: I think I was there for, you know, four or five years. And then we ended up moving all over the place. My father was in oil and gas, so we traveled a lot. And then I landed in Yukon when I was in the I wanna say fifth or sixth grade.
0: Yeah. So and that's where you probably state. really grow up in Yukon yeah. rather than Yeah. They yeah. should change that to be Yukon not Tulsa then.
1: They will never <laughs> let that happen.
0: <laughs> I love when I first came out here there's this whole like feud of you know, Oklahoma City and Tulsa and it's like It's real. It is real, isn't it? Yeah. And I just I really don't care about it. But it's funny to to kind of pick and switch people's buttons and, you know, whatever yeah. whatever the term is for that, uh, to kind of irritate people about it, but I don't know why there is. I mean, we both like each other. It's no big deal. I think it's more of a city thing, and if they get Tesla right now, I think we'd all be happy.
1: Right? I would be um, happy about that. That'd be sick, wouldn't it? hmm My so. family's... Uh, most of my family's in Tulsa. My parents actually moved to Houston after, uh, I guess, when I graduated college and Mm -hmm. left for Los Angeles. They went to Houston and they've been there um, for 20 years. So I haven't really come back to Oklahoma a lot in between because I would go to visit them or I would go to Tulsa to see my family. So I haven't been back to Oklahoma City in a really long time.
0: Was it a shock when you first came back?
1: Um... It was so welcome.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and like, oh, it's grown up. It's like a child that's grown up, yeah. right? Like, oh, you've gone through the early phases of I, being a pain in the ass. Yeah, it
1: was. <laughs> it was nice to come back and just see all the wonderful changes because um, I hadn't been back in so long, and mm-hmm. just to see how much, like, yeah, like you said, how much it's grown up and how yeah. different it is. I mean, the thunder coming here just changed everything. So um, it was a very uh, fresh thing to come come back to it's been very nice and I was ready for it I was ready for a change I think um you know I was in Los Angeles and had a love affair with Los Angeles for 20 years and I if I had not become a mother I probably would have stayed there forever Mm -hmm. because it was about me and it was easy to to live there when it's all about you but as soon as I had a baby um there's just a new sheriff in town and everything became about looking at life through the lens of what it would be like for him growing up Mm -hmm. and i just really was struggling with finding the way for him to grow up similar to how i grew up uh in los angeles
0: yeah yeah i can't imagine i mean i can't imagine just having dogs in la let alone having kids Like I have two dogs and it's great here. (laughs) Out in L.A. having an apartment and all that stuff would have been miserable.
1: Well, you have to walk them all the time. And then, you you know, you're walking across the street and then there's other like dogs coming and they're not on leash. And so, I mean, I got chased on the street with my little puggle um, by two German shepherds because the guy didn't want to put them on a leash. And I was like, I'm totally cool with that if your dogs are under control. Right. But, you know, they're crazy. Yeah. So, but that's Los Angeles. Right.
0: That's that's a little different. You're going to be a little tougher there. Yeah, I think that's that's probably one thing that... Um, was that a struggle early on, I guess, moving out there? Or had you kind of already gone through, growing up a little bit and gone through the whole, like, you know, getting rejected for whatever it is you're auditioning? Or was it, like, a real struggle going to LA for the first time?
1: Um, you know, I... It was a struggle because I didn't know anybody. Uh-huh. But again, it was also something that I was kind of in the mood for. Um, I think going to college, going to high school, uh, you know, I was on the Palm squad at the University of Oklahoma. I was, um, you know, had a great internship, uh, in the film program. Um, like not that things felt easy, but things felt accessible here and I was ready for a challenge. And so even though I didn't know anybody in Los Angeles, I was really excited to go out there and be on my own Mm -hmm. and, and get my own footing. And so I, I very naively told my parents when I moved out there I was like look I know I don't have any money and I don't really have a job yet Yeah. but I need you to let me struggle like I need that to be part of my journey and you know two months in I was like okay so I've struggled I'm over that <laughs> if you could just put some money in my <laughs> checking account."
0: <laughs> but like I think that's that's super at the time I'm sure that was just normal for everybody and I don't think people growing up now put them they won't put themselves through that right they're always like bank of mom and dad and they always have a credit card and and it's just safe and I mean for the majority there's obviously people who still do that but it's not as normal I'm sure as it was to do it then
1: um it wasn't normal I I mean I did have so there was one guy that I knew out there um, this guy, Todd Oni that I had gone to high school or I'd gone to college with. And when I moved out there, he was the only person I knew. And so he had told me that I could come out and crash on his couch and you know mm-hmm. stay with him until I got my own place. And so when I showed up, I literally drove out with my mom, threw my cat in the car, threw you know, a suitcase full of clothes and showed up, come strolling in with my mangy little cat in my suitcase. And I was like, great. So this is a, bit of a long drive. Where's my room? He was like, you're standing in it oh, where's your room? You're standing in it. (laughs) I was like, the hell is this place? (laughs) That's a studio apartment, which I had never seen before because they don't really have those in Oklahoma City. Um, So I was in like one of the roughest neighborhoods in Hollywood, which I didn't know at the time. Sure. And uh, my poor mother had to get on a plane and go back to Oklahoma knowing that she was leaving her kid in like the grittiest neighborhood and ho- i was like how did you do i can't
0: that? imagine what she was thinking i can't
1: either once i become a- i apologized profusely when i when i became a parent because i was like I'm so sorry i did that to you that must have been terrifying
0: i'm glad my mom couldn't see where i was out here and it was not that bad but like you know just even though i was away from home seeing it is totally different to just like you know, over the phone and you know Oh, yeah. FaceTime. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I'm not fine, but I'm okay kind of thing. But seeing it, and then you're like, yeah, it's going to be fine. I'm <laughs> like, uh, are you sure?
1: I mean, we were literally, for anybody who knows the landscape of Los Angeles. Do you want me to take that down? Right, okay. Um, for anybody who knows the landscape of Los Angeles, we were at Wilcox between Hollywood and Selma. Mm-hmm. And there are more drugs in that neighborhood than any other part of hollywood i mean it is like it is gritty yeah and i didn't know that at the time which was probably really good for me um because i just thought i'm in hollywood right you know and i was like
0: just graduated
1: yeah i was 21 years old you know yeah i had no idea and uh, so i will say though that Some of the most fun memories I have was from my first year of being on that struggle bus that Uh I purposely put myself on because Todd and I would literally have $10 between the two of us. And we were like, okay, so we can go to McDonald's and we can get a burger for like $2 (laughs) and then we can go to the bar and we can like get a cocktail as long as our bartender's working because we can just tip him and then he'll make us a drink that we don't have to pay for. So like we had it all planned out and... You know, I got a job. Ended up getting a job right away because I went to um, uh, I went to a bar that uh, this you know fun little group of uh, Vietnamese guys came over and were asking Mm. me a bunch of questions. And I told him I was looking for a job, and he said, "You know, I have an investment banking firm downtown in Century City. Why don't you come and be the office manager?" And I was like, "Okay, (laughs) great. Sure. (laughs) I have no experience doing that, but sure." And then I got there, and it was an international investment banking firm Uh, which means that most of the people calling in where I'm answering the phone don't speak English and I only spoke English right from Oklahoma yes from Oklahoma and uh, his his name was um, Bing and he thought that was hilarious you know that I would be trying to navigate where to transfer the call just guessing (laughs) Um, but it was a great experience and he had told me he was so fascinated by I was the first Oklahoma girl he'd ever met. He's like, I just find you to be a fascinating person. And he asked me what I needed to make to be able to get my own apartment to get out of where Todd and I were staying. And he gave me an advance on my first month's paycheck. Um, I was making more than the president of the company, (laughs) 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 which I found out later because I just said, well, I mean, it would be great if I could make this much. And he was like, "Okay, great. And he just approved it. We became friends for a very long time. He was a wonderful human being. And he politely let me go. Yeah after I was able to get my apartment and get another job. What an absolute surprise me to meet someone
0: like that. Because that's something that you would probably meet here, right? That's such an Oklahoma thing. It is. I think that we all say that. I mean, I'm glad that it happens everywhere else. But yeah. at like 21, being out there away from home, that's like the biggest blessing you could have been given.
1: It also kind of felt like God might have been, you know, like, here, maybe let's just put... Yeah, in-
0: <laughs> yeah, just just <laughs> just a here little help. but to yeah. protect you. Right.
1: Um, because that, like I said, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have trying to get a job there I thought well I guess if I want to become an actress I guess I have to become a bartender or a waitress and so you think going in to get a job as a waitress would be an easy thing you just Mm -hmm. go in and apply but that's not true there the cattle calls are bigger to become a waitress than they are to become an actress so it's easier to get an acting job than it is to get a job waiting tables there yeah and I ended up waiting tables at um, PF Chang's for a month was the worst job I've ever had. Worst. (laughs) People were so mean. Yeah. And I was just like, this is not how Hal Smith ran things. Yeah. When I waited tables at Outback Steakhouse. Yeah. (laughs) You know, what was it? You people need to learn some manners.
0: Yeah. I I can't imagine that going from, I mean. Yeah. In the service industry too, where like you are literally their worst enemy if something goes wrong with their plate. Oh,
1: they're so mean. (laughs) Yeah. And people are just, you know. Throw things at you. They disregard you. They mm. yell about things that are not your fault. They yeah. get angry because their Mongolian beef is not, you know, at their table on time. You go home smelling
0: <laughs> terrible <awful.
1: laughs> It is just so degrading. And I loved the service industry yeah. here. I mean, right. I grew up working for Hal Smith. I mean, I started my first job as a hostess at Outback Steakhouse, and I ended up opening Red Rock, which is on the lake, mm. and you know, was an admin there and. You know, one of the head trainers, and like I loved the service industry, yeah. and I went to California, and that kind of ruined it for me. So I quickly,
0: not going back.
1: <laughs> I quickly realized that that was not going to be what I did on the side of acting, yeah. and so I started having careers on the side, like things that people would do as a job with a yeah, like with a business card. Um, and I started finding interesting jobs that were flexible and would work from set sure. uh, i did i started um vlogging videos for a red carpet company that i went in as an editor no editing experience but uh got a job as an editor where i would literally watch all the footage that he had recorded of people arriving at red carpet events mm-hmm. and he had no he was the video guy he had no idea who the people were that he was videotaping Sure,
0: just told the video these people showing up if they look important video them. his
1: company he started yeah. it and he thought you know Well, instead of just videoing people talking, doing interviews, it would be more interesting if you got them arriving on the red carpet. So you have this beautiful footage of them posing for pictures. And so that is what Michael started. Okay. But he didn't know who any of the people were. And so I came in and sat in this dark editing room for a year and just built his library by using time my clips or whatever this, yeah. to be like oh yeah. that person was in you know cocktail with tom cruise and looking that up and like oh yep his yeah. name was such and such so i was able to kind of find things that way but the gift of that is that by logging his entire library yeah. i also kind of had it all in my head so i knew what all the clips were and where to find things and right. what the best shots were and so i used that to help him call Good Morning America and CNN and MSNBC and mm-hmm. all of these places and say, hey, I know you're using this kind of footage now, but if you'd be open to something new, I, I kind of have a fresh take something on that. Something that's different like to, send to what everybody
0: clip. else has, yeah. which is the biggest selling point for them ever.
1: Yeah. So yeah. we turned that into um, a, a business where we were literally providing all of that red carpet f- footage for VH1 and yeah. you know all of these different shows and Um, So we started getting calls from uh, DreamWorks and Paramount and MGM and a lot of these companies to do their house crew Mm -hmm. for red carpet events. And so I, again, I'm like, you know, 22, 23 years old, um, just bright eyed and, you know, so naive. And I was getting to interview everybody in the business because I was going in as the house crew to cover these events. So, I'm not the one asking people what they're wearing. I'm going in and asking for the studio, what is what do you want to get out for the press release? What are the sound bites that you actually sure. want people to hear? And so I was getting to have these in-depth interviews. Yeah with the coolest people in the bit like with all my mentors all my heroes the people that I yeah. was so fascinated to hear about their experience um, and I did that for four years
0: and talking to them about things that they actually want to talk about so they open yeah. up to you oh yeah right not yeah. like don't ask me this don't, I, I don't care leave me alone I, I never like asked, most people right
1: absolutely I never asked them the things yeah that, which is why they were so accessible and they would come over and talk to me they, even they, when they, they built that talk trust and they else. knew
0: that they could trust you yeah
1: yeah and and so you I mean I got to interview everyone from I was telling you some of my favorites, um Muhammad Ali, which I just got a fist bump from him, but that's yeah. more than anybody else I mean, on the carpet. You, let's guy. be
0: honest, <laughs> you were like fist bump Muhammad Ali and mean, there's people out there that would cut off a finger to fist bump Muhammad Ali I would cut off my
1: arm just to <laughs> like, talk to, I mean yeah. he is like as good as it gets so I mean Stevie Wonder and Diana Ross and uh, you know Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise and Kevin Kline was one of my favorites yeah. he was so lovely to talk to um, Clint Eastwood and Meryl Streep just all of them is there
0: anyone like that that like surprised you with how just how they were
1: um,
0: like maybe their perception is just to be a complete pain in the ass and not a very nice person and they were just like the nicest person ever.
1: I think it's all in who you're having a conversation with and I think because I was very nice and I wasn't asking them anything that made them defensive. Mm. They were all very nice to me. I I never had that's a good question. I I mean, now that I think about it, I I never had anyone be rude to me. Um, but I also was, it taught me a lot about the process. It taught me so much. So as an actor who was getting into the business and being interested about, um, well, how does this whole side of the business work? Because they didn't teach you that in college. Um, and I would see that the PR agents would come in and try and get the press line to talk to their new clients mm-hmm. who are these up and coming actors who don't have a ton of experience or maybe they just have a new show that's coming out. Nobody teaches them how to do the press line. They just throw them in front of the microphones and yeah. you know, they just have to figure it out. And so um, something that they would do that I thought was so cruel, uh, the interviewers would interview, but they would say, don't roll. So they would just interview. Uh, oh, yeah. But the person standing on the other side knows that, oh, they don't think that I'm important enough <laughs> to even roll tape on this. So I'm just standing here talking for nothing. Yeah. And... I was always at the front of the line because we were the house crew. And so I would interview all of them. And I was like, if I find out you don't roll, I will have you fired. Yeah. (laughs) So we are gonna do this interview and this person is gonna get experience. And that kind of became something that I really loved doing is helping people figure out how to do that for the first time. education has always been a, a big thing for me because we don't learn unless somebody is willing to teach us
0: yeah definitely and it's finding the ways to like you know like i hated math as a kid because i just didn't enjoy it but i had a teacher who managed to like there was like three or four of my mates who we could just like in the class we all sat together and we all hated math, but like he managed to find a level that we actually like enjoyed being there And he was a great I'm still terrible at math but I passed (laughs) and we all did and it was because he knew how to teach and he knew how to be on our level and that I think I mean I still talk to him today actually he's, he's a golfer I think that's why we probably you know got on the same level but yeah like if you find someone that there's a lot of value in teaching that I think people don't realize, especially with kids who don't like to be taught. Like, I think that's the superpower, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is a superpower.
0: And I know a lot of people right now have kids. Can't wait for their kids to go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> they realize the value of teaching. <laughs>
1: oh um, my gosh. I hope that we go back and the teachers better get more money. Yeah. You know, that people better understand how undervalued and mm-hmm. underappreciated they truly are. Yeah.
0: You mentioned that you were on the Palm squad. So you went to OU, mm-hmm. but at, you went to Yukon, so you graduated Yukon High School and then went to OU. Yep. When, I mean, is acting and, like, dancing, like, like from literally you can walk, or is it like, oh, I'm going to try this and just kind of give it a go, and you were naturally good at it?
1: I had my first ballet recital when I was three.
0: So it was to, yeah.
1: And it lit me up from the inside out. Uh, The other kids, that get up there and just cry on the stage because they, you know, are so nervous. Yeah,
0: mom's like, do this. You're going to put these pointy (laughs) shoes on. You're not going to like your toenails for the rest of your life. You're going to be doing this. This is what you're going to do. I,
1: with my fat little belly, put on my, you know, little tutu and I went out there and it was like the best day of my life. I loved it. Full black swan. Just full black swan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I loved it. I was like, this this is it um and i traded in in eighth grade i traded in my toe shoes my point shoes Mm -hmm. for a cheerleading skirt yeah there's part of me that regrets that i mean my feet are good sure you know what i mean like i got out before my toes got ugly but uh like i just ballet is just like such a beautiful art form um and i part of me regrets letting that go uh but i did i did get to do cheerleading and i met some of my best friends they are still some of my best friends today on yeah. that eighth grade cheerleading squad because we were on the same squad all through high school
0: oh um, that's really cool and when
1: i was in los angeles we would do cheer reunions where they would come out and visit me yeah and they'd all you know crash into my one bedroom apartment and i was yeah. like i mean if you can find a spot on the floor to sleep it's yours it's all you yours. can stay for free yeah um but you know, they came to my wedding, and you know, the, it's some it was the nice to come Some of the best friends
0: back. you have, you know, yeah. Best
1: friends I have, yeah, for life,
0: yeah. That's some yeah. of the like having a team and growing up, or just in a group and doing the same sport. I kind of have a similar thing with golf. Like sure we, you all, we have, I have 12 people, I think 13 people in a group text from back home, and we all grew up playing golf together from like age. Eight to now and we're all like I'm the youngest at 29 yeah um, brothers and, you know yeah and it's <laughs> it, nothing's changed every time I go home like we're still the same group of idiots that grew up playing golf at eight, age eight and but we're still now you know we growing up and competing with a group like that you just it's it's hard to explain to people unless you've done it uh-huh. right because the, the friendship the bond and the, just the relationship that you have is totally different to just having an individual sport and yeah. playing with people uh, as rather than like for the same team you know
1: yeah it, it is um irreplaceable i i'm very grateful to i mean i don't feel like i did uh i mean i guess cheerleading as a sport you know i feel like we cheered for all the sports mm. but um you know you i mean more, you get a
0: scholarship for it it's considered a sport right
1: that is true the scholarship needs to be reevaluated. <laughs> <laughs> i wonder what it is balance. right now
0: for some people
1: oh it was a joke yeah um but i mean going to college i you know, so acting wasn't part of the plan to answer your question. Like it wasn't something that I grew up thinking I want to be on TV or Mm -hmm. I want to be in the movies. Um, it was more that I loved performance. Um, and, and I felt like that was an extension of that. So, um, doing cheerleading in high school, I remember going to college at the university of Oklahoma and auditioning for the Palm squad. In case people don't understand what that experience is like, uh, I'm sure like football in Oklahoma is mm. was probably interesting for you when you first came over. From yeah, the UK.
0: kind of. Yeah, I mean I had to be Did they like Do you have
1: something similar to that?
0: Rugby is big in the UK. Okay. Rugby and football, real football, soccer is big in the UK.
1: Okay. So it would be the same as like college. I mean pretty college much. Yeah. Football is just
0: crazy. It's, here. it's its own animal out here. Like we have nothing compared to that back home. Nothing. Yeah. Not even like I mean, some of the college teams out here generate more money and get more crowds to some of the professional teams back home.
1: It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, from this tiny little, tiny little town, went to OU mm-hmm. and wanted to audition for the, for the Palm Squad. And they have you put on these tiny little biker shorts and this mm-hmm. little sports bra. And then you have to go out in the gym And you have to do this dance that has been designed for no human to be able to actually get through it and survive it. Mm. So it is the hardest dance I've ever done in my entire life. And it feels like it is sped up. Like the music is not like, it's, it just doesn't make sense. You're not capable of doing it. And then they invite in all of this, all the athletes, all the fraternity guys, all like they Anybody make it as hard as they can to, make it for yeah. you. So the stands are just full of all the guys that you're about to go to college with. Yeah. And they're all sitting there. And it's like, whoever gets the loudest cheers, that's who gets to be on the Palm Squad. Because yeah. that's what matters. Because Is it nobody still that can way? The dance well. I don't know. No. But that's how it was then. And there were, you know, very few open spots available. And so the fact that I got on, um, I, I mean, I was on the JV Squad mm-hmm. and... The fact that I got a spot just felt like I, I mean
0: one of the biggest achievements <laughs> of that of your, uh, up in, you know your yeah. life up until that point yeah.
1: Well, yeah like wow how did that happen and um so I feel like going through college and having that experience of being able to cheer at all the games and you got to meet everybody because yeah. you cheered for everything you got to travel with the team you got to be in the athletic department um you know programs with you know you just were considered part of that Yeah, that
0: you're beast. part of the traveling yeah. entity that goes to away games and I can't imagine some of the away games must have been horrific.
1: Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> right. I the worst game that we ever had, I remember walking onto that football field for the first game and looking up and it's just a sea of red. Mm. It's there's so many people in that stadium and you're down there on the floor. It was exhilarating. Like, it was so much fun. The hardest one, uh, we had a Nebraska game where people were throwing things at us. Yeah. It was so aggressive that to this day, I'm like, Nebraska.
0: <laughs> well, there must have been days there were like, you know, football season, win the fall. Like, you're going to get a, especially at the beginning, there's some days it's like over 100 degrees and you're out there yeah. with no air moving in the stadium. Yeah.
1: Or the opposite <laughs> Or the opposite is, that, is
0: freezing cold in November. Freezing yeah.
1: Freezing cold. And we're like pantyhose are really not going to cut it right, right now. Like I feel like I'm getting hypothermia. Like everything is turning yeah. blue and like, I'm, I can't
0: feel my feet. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. chipping
1: my teeth. I, I'm shaking. So, but, um, you know, you can't like put pants on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <That does laughs> People would right. consider that an american for you to put pants on as a cheerleader. Right? you ripped
1: out of college. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was a wonderful experience. I did it for two years and then I actually quit because I wanted to get an education and I felt like all I was doing was working out and yeah. cheering. Um, so that was very hard for me but I but I stepped down from that and I feel like as soon as I did I started to really evaluate the classes that I was in and I was a communications major at the time and I just wasn't digging it um
0: was it more of like every athlete does a communication because it's quite an, and I say this like in air quotes quite an easy compared to some of the other degrees and yeah. you can like I mean most athletes who aren't big aren't gonna be go into real nine to five jobs do mm-hmm. communications as yeah. just because it's a piece of paper say I graduated
1: it's what I was advised to do right yeah. and I was so bored yeah um, because most people don't know this especially if you watch two and a half men mm-hmm. um, I'm actually smart <laughs> don't tell anybody <laughs> or I'll yeah. never work again. Right.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> Made a living pretending that you were the dumb blonde, right? Yes. The, like, the, like the cliche, like dumb, good looking blonde, right? Yeah. That, that's that's the marketing angle. Yeah. Like, and I have a degree. Like, I actually know what I'm doing. Yeah. I have other businesses. But like
1: Chuck Lorre from Two and a Half Men said, "It you have to be r- incredibly bright mm-hmm. to play dumb. Yeah. Because you have to be in on the joke. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, that's not true. There are plenty of girls who go out and play dumb blondes and
0: it's they're very it's successful really difficult at it. to
1: have a conversation with those people yeah. because they really are just at that level yeah um but so i went uh i i left the communications to program and i was inter i was trying to figure out what else i was interested in mm. doing and i had heard that about the film program and i actually switched my major to not knowing much about the program to uh the critical analysis of film and television with an emphasis on production
0: yeah that's a big mouthful <laughs> compared to communication <laughs> isn't it?
1: and that's what i did yeah that's, so i studied that for the last two years and i loved it yeah
0: was was there any like who i guess who was like the big player at the time in, in like on the team while you were doing that. I don't want to aid you, but I'm just trying oh, to that's put a perspective on like, I, like who, who was the who the team was at that point.
1: Um well, like was
0: OU you good at that time as well? No. Okay. Well we
1: were my last two years, but not oh, when you I was went there. right. Yeah. So Stoops came my junior year. Okay. So we actually became
0: very good. Very good. Yeah. And it
1: was very exciting.
0: You must but- have missed it.
1: Oh, I mean, it was so difficult. Why
0: weren't you here two years ago?
1: (laughs) Yeah, because as soon as I stepped down, you know, tossed my skirt back over there, um, you know, they we became like a championship team. So it was exciting to be a part of that. Mm. Um, I think because I was enjoying my education so much and being right. able to learn and be challenged in a different way. Um, I was actually okay with that, but mm. yeah, we were terrible yeah. in, in football. I can't imagine I trying
0: to cheer when you suck. Like it's that's, difficult. that's the hard thing to do, isn't it? Cause when you're winning, everyone's buzzing. And it's great, but like when you've got to try and an Oklahoma crowd, <laughs> it's all terrible compared to back home. Like just the atmosphere <laughs> and like the general, like singing and like, and if people listening, you're like, well, no, we, we were some of the best and like, go to a football soccer match back home. And you will understand. And rugby games, everyone just sings like That's like hymns so for the rest of the game. It's amazing. Um, but out here, like it's, if if it's going bad, like nobody says a word. The entire stadium's silent. Oh, they're just yeah. And I'm like, the first time I went to a game, I'm like what is wrong with people
1: they take it personally you
0: know? and they come out and they'll do like I mean OSU does orange power and that's about it and they're like come on bullet finally yeah. comes out and it was like way about time like we yeah. may have scored something yeah. so I can't imagine what it's like being on the stadium when you have 80,000 fans like grumpy at, at the team and you are part of that team
1: yeah I maybe I'm naive I, I feel like yes that was part of it mm. but it also was so much fun to be out there sure. and dancing and band playing and you know there's just such a palpable energy that you get to be a part of um, when you're down there that
0: didn't really matter win or lose I
1: was still having the time Mm -hmm. of my life I feel like I didn't care but um, I will say (laughs) the basket uh, the women's volleyball team tried to spike a couple of balls and hit us you know they were they were a little honored um, but you know basketball games were fun Renzi stone was you know one of the players at the uh-huh. time who has become a friend now that i'm back and that's kind of funny yeah. to see us both grown up
0: yeah uh so you know you make the switch in school you go into this degree that's completely different to just doing communications and really yeah. into like you know you're actually really into it um what are you thinking like how early on do you think i'm gonna do this as a professional and i'm going to la
1: um immediately i knew that that's i then knew that's what i wanted to do um and i had seen an interview with matthew mcconaughey on oprah where he had said that he dropped out of law school to pursue acting yeah and that it was the best decision he ever made and there was something about that like hearing that that it's almost like it gave me permission
0: especially to, in his voice.
1: Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> you could say anything. Right? Yeah. And I was just like
0: I didn't oh, know that. That's really cool. Is
1: that something that I could do? Yeah. Like do I have permission to want to do something like mm. that? Um I don't know anybody in
0: Yeah. Which now that would the be the equivalent of I'm gonna give up going to university to become a YouTuber.
1: Right. Like, that's the equivalent I now. Imagine my it? parents being okay with that.
0: Yeah, or oh like I'm gonna play video games and I'm gonna become a Fortnite superstar and I mean the guy who won World Championship last year, I think, was sixteen years old.
1: One over a million. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Rock the on
1: times have changed. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's loud. Yeah. Um yeah, so I, I think that was kind of the turning point for mm-hmm. me, um, and... Do you need to pull
0: that out? Yeah, I'm going to slide that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that was definitely the turning point for me, and I, uh, was in a screenwriting class mm-hmm. with, uh, with Andy Horton, so I got to learn about, like, how to break a script down as you're, as you're creating it. That's where I met Matt Payne. So yeah. Matt and I were in screenwriting class together, and then, um... Andy told us about this producer that was coming back from Hollywood after being um, in Hollywood for a very long time, producing mm-hmm. movies like The Godfathers and uh, Apocalypse Now and um, The Good, Bad and the Ugly. And uh, he ha- was moving back to Oklahoma to raise his family. Um and I was like, interesting, do you know where his office
0: is? Yeah, can I get that contact information? Yeah. He may have to write him a letter.
1: So, write him a letter, I went and knocked on his door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I went and knocked on his door and I was like, hi, uh, Gray Frederickson. my name is Rachel Cannon, um, Rachel Wells at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just wondering if you need an unpaid intern. Yeah. As you're setting up your office. And I became his first intern and he showed me how to, um, you know, do production budgets and how to break down a script and told me all his stories and let me, you know, look at his Academy Award. And yeah. It was that was my college experience, which I'm sure OU doesn't want to hear, but oh, that's amazing. My education came from Gray Frederickson. Yeah.
0: I mean that and that's the great thing. You have to find a mentor that's in the space that's done it. Absolutely. And the key thing there is you have to offer them value and you doing this for free is extremely valuable to yeah. them.
1: Yeah. Like, and then I brought people Matt people don't in. understand that. Yeah. I brought Matt in and the two of us yeah. were his like first two interns and we you know, helped him kind of develop his, his business here. And Mm -hmm. so it's been fun coming back and seeing him. We got to see him get honored for the, um, inducted into the hall of fame, which was a wonderful, which was last year. He was on last year, year. Yeah.
0: Yeah it's amazing yeah it's so cool and I, that's the thing Like, i don't think people like i didn't know who he was until like i saw that hall of fame thing and i oh, look wow. at his bio and i'm that's probably because i'm not from here but i assume there's not a lot of people like when i mentioned his name luckily um we're gonna sit down uh, and interview him soon but um, i mentioned his name to a few people and they were like who's that I'm like come on i mean if i now know who he is i think <laughs> that everyone should know right uh play that i've known forever but mm-hmm. um yeah just the stuff that he's done and the stuff that he continues to do and everyone that's been around him says that I mean he's in his 80s right and he's still like switched on
1: yeah. you know yeah he is very de- very very dedicated to the next generation of filmmakers
0: yeah so fast forward then you're out to LA you're living in this crazy apartment um, <laughs> you know with a, with a mate and got a job and everything's going seems to be going well sure. but you're not like acting right you're not you haven't, you know you're like you've got a job everything's okay but that's not why you're here right. so you know do you have to sign up with an agency and then they just like an agent and all the rest of it like because my view of Hollywood, I sure. love entourage, right? So like my view of Hollywood is entourage <laughs> through and through, and I'm like Ari Gold is hilarious, and but that's not how it is, you know, like Turtle and all the rest of it. It um,
1: actually is very it, much how is it, it is. Is it very
0: close to it? <laughs> awesome! I'm so happy to hear that.
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty accurate. Um, th- there are exceptions, but that sure. is that is quite spot on. Um, I so I had done a casting workshop. In Oklahoma, before, right before I uh-huh. left for California. So I already knew I was moving. Um, and I did a casting workshop with Chris Fryhoffer, who's still teaching acting in Norman. Uh-huh. And he had a woman named Joanna Bolden, who was a casting director in Austin, Texas, who had come in to do this this uh-huh. workshop. And so we she gave us scenes. We prepared them. Um, we did the scenes for her. And I remember after I finished my scene, um, there was a very emotional scene where I had to cry. And after I finished, she said, can you do that again? I was like, sure. (laughs) So I did it again. And uh, after class, she pulled me aside and said, I'm not going to lie. I I wasn't expecting that out of you. I go
0: like the second time. too. That doesn't
1: feel like a compliment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, and she gave me a number. She said, I understand you're moving to Los Angeles. This is the number of an agent that's from Texas that I Mm -hmm. know. Well, he'll see you if you use my name, um, tell him that he has to sit down and and talk to you. Yeah. So literally the the golden
0: ticket, Right? Like, you can't get in anywhere without... at least a
1: conversation. Yeah.
0: Because, like, with them giving you your, you know, them saying, you have to, you know, use my name and this will at least get you in the door. Like... Yeah. You know, I assume Hollywood is connection-based like anywhere else. Probably even more connection-based than any other places that we know
1: of. There are more talented actors that can't get that first break. Mm Mm-hmm that will never break into the industry. Yeah,
0: in because they've done something that to somebody that's related to somebody and they, they, they've they done, you know, they, they just, just
1: don't have anyone to call. Yeah. They don't have any connections and they will never get a break mm. because they don't have that. Yeah. Um, and they are the most extraordinarily talented people you will ever see. Yeah. And they just haven't gotten a break. So sad. So sad. Yeah. Um, so I actually called, his name was Todd Justice, and I actually called Todd um, the first week I got there. So I was moving myself into oh, yeah. That. into that I was trying to figure out you know how to eat and where to live and all of that stuff but um, so Todd took a meeting with me and I remember him telling me that I was so incredibly green that he he was like I don't even know what to do with you you're so green I was like green what does that even mean is that a compliment yeah no No. Um, so he took a meeting with me and he was like look You don't have any credits. You don't have, like, your weird student films from OU don't count. Like, don't ever show those to anybody. Yeah. Um, You don't have any credits. You don't have, you're not in the union. You're not this. You're not that. Like, I I, I can't do anything with you yet. He goes, I'm going to give you a list of things to do. And if you can do these, then we can have a second conversation. I was Mm. like, fantastic. I love a good list.
0: Yeah, at least a roadmap to get back. Yeah.
1: So he wrote out, there were, like, 10 things on the list. And it ranged from, um, get your SAG card. Which like knowing how hard that is, the fact that he put that on the list was just rude. Yeah. Um you Well know, what is that? I have no what is that? It's a union card Okay. Sure. So again, there are so many people yeah. that it, they spend years in like a lifetime trying to get a mm-hmm. union card and they can't. Um but I, I did get lucky with that. So told me to get my get my union card, um, get in an acting class, get in an improv class. Get new headshots because mine were dreadful. Um, uh, Curly hair? I had straight hair. Okay. Yeah, I do have curly hair.
0: I I pictured that, like the curly (laughs) fruit.
1: No, he just, he was like, oh, those are dreadful. Don't ever show me those again. Uh, Burn the suit that you're wearing because that is, don't ever wear that again. Like, he was awful.
0: But great great advice, right? In the worst possible
1: way ever. Like I loved that he didn't sugarcoat it with me. He was just like, here are all the things that you need to change if you want to work in this industry. And I'm not going to have a conversation with you until you do that. So Mm -hmm. I left and 28 days later, I called him back and I said, hi, Todd, it's Rachel. Um, So I did all those things on that list and I would love to have a second meeting with you. And he goes, you did everything on that list? And I was like, I did and I like lost fifteen pounds because I eat so differently here. <laughs> there are vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was just like, "Well, how can, soon can you get over here?" And I was like, "Weirdly, um, don't be weirded out, but I'm outside your door, so I could be here now." <laughs> and we worked together for a really long time. Yeah. And, uh, he was at my wedding. He's a close, close friend, yeah. and will be for. My whole life. I always sure. say, when I get my first Academy Award, he will definitely be in my speech. Yeah. Because I, I wouldn't have the career that I have without Todd.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he was impressed. Like, 28 days, like a month. That's, he thought I was a psychopath. Yeah. yeah, he's like this. In the best way. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Do you have any more lists for me? He's like, yeah. uh, sure. Hang on a second.
0: And, and the thing that comes to mind, is that scene that I watched on the way up here from Two and a Half minutes. like, you'll call me soon, right? Soon. Right. Right? soon.
1: <laughs> it's hilarious. <Not>
0: soon. <laughs> uh, so what, you know, you you got, you know, he's like, yeah, let's work together. Let's do this. Yeah. Like, what? how long does it take you for you to get that first phone call? And like, where are you? How does it feel? I mean, I'm sure it was amazing, but what was that first phone call?
1: So I, um you know, I, he just started getting me auditions and I would mm-hmm. go and I would get good feedback, but I wouldn't get the job. And, um, you know, that went on for, for a moment. And I, am not a very patient person mm. in terms, like I am always looking for the growth opportunity. Yeah. So, okay, if I'm getting this far and I'm not getting this, what can I do to change this situation so that I can get further? Sure. And, um, there was one office that I kept going back to and she would just be like, you're a scream. You're so funny, yeah. you know? And, then I wouldn't get the job and I knew I wasn't getting the job because nobody wanted to be the first person to vouch for you sure nobody wants to give you that first job um because then it's like they're responsible if you're terrible and so which
0: then ruins their reputation
1: right then her career's over all because of me yeah and um so she uh her partner I never got to the other partner. Like I wouldn't get past, um, the screening process to get to her. Mm -hmm. So I only was getting, you know, half the office. Mm -hmm. So I looked up and I found out who her partner was and she was doing a casting workshop. So I signed up for that casting workshop so that I could go and meet her partner and let her see my work. And I remember preparing the scene and going in and, and doing that for her. And she said, Rachel Cannon, where have you been? I was like,
0: On your doorstep, I've been in your (laughs) office for a long time with your
1: partner, Um, and so anyway, that week, long story short, I came in to uh, audition for this Mm. show called Cuts, which was on the UPN network, Um, and Uneta Boone was the producer on that. So I got to not only come in for her, but I got to come in and meet the producer Mm. and audition for her, and I ended up booking that was my first guest starring role, and it was with Shannon Elizabeth from American Pie Mm -hmm. and Rex. I forget Rex's last name Rex Simon Mm -hmm. I think Um, who might be doing adult films now or something (laughs) but he was great then yeah (laughs) and uh, Meghan Markle who's the Duchess was actually my sidekick oh nice so um, we got to do that job together which was really fun yeah and it was a wonderful experience Uneta Boone who's no longer with us but she was a wonderful producer who when you could make her laugh she would like scream and slap the table she yeah. would laugh she would laugh from the inside out it was so
0: it's not a fake laugh emotional. at all oh, it's like full emotional like I'm it. yeah
1: yeah but it would just make you feel like you know you were on top of the world yeah. if you made her laugh and
0: I just got I I just got done I say got done I watched Suits many times and Mm -hmm. we just finished it for the third fourth time Mm -hmm. just what I mean I love watching Suits it's It's awesome Harvey Specter is just the best guy ever yeah Uh, and the actor and uh, the best actor in that is the the guy who plays Lewis and I can't remember his name is but Patrick Adams yes he like every time I watch him like the actor is so good because he goes through all these a million you know he plays so many different
1: roles yeah he's a brilliant uh, actor and a good friend He's a very good yeah. guy. Amanda Scholl um, is one who kind of mm-hmm. stepped in to fill Megan's shoes when she left. She's also yeah. a good friend and very talented.
0: Yeah, it's a good it's show good for group. sure. Is there any shows that like um, like that you, you auditioned for you didn't get that could have like uh,
1: millions? Well, I know, okay.
0: So, is there any out there that like people will know that you'd be like, oh, like I could have been this person? Like, that oh, sure.
1: Um, so, the part of the process that I think most people don't know about is there's a testing process. Mm-hmm. So, you do so most of what people have seen in in my work is guest starring roles where Mm -hmm. I come in and I'm a guest on somebody else's show. Um, But, and sometimes it's a recurring, which means you do multiple episodes and then sometimes you are a series regular, which means Mm. that you are obligated to be there every day that, you know, that it is open for business. Um, So I actually had several of those, where I tested for shows and I actually was the series lead, um, but then if it doesn't get picked up by the right. network, there are tons of those that yeah. just never see the light of day. So I filmed a bunch of pilots that just haven't been picked up. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of I, I think one of the fun ones is you know I have kind of gotten looped into that two and a half men world and mm-hmm. got to do big bang theory and um, you know a lot of. I was very tightly knit in with that group and I tested for Mike and Molly. Mm-hmm. So I was up to be Melissa McCarthy's sister. Yeah. So I was the other choice, which Katie's brilliant and yeah. definitely should be that. Like, I feel like they looked like they were sisters. But uh, so I was the other um, yeah. blonde, not as bright choice. <laughs> and it was hilariously fun. So getting in to go in the testing process um, is so fun because I feel like the people that get it are a tight family but Mm -hmm. the people who don't get it are also like part of that family too because you just go through that grueling process together which is and it's a long process right it is a long process and if it doesn't
0: get picked up it's like oh great but you still get paid for doing your work
1: oh yeah but you
0: just don't get paid paid because it hasn't been picked up
1: yeah so like one of the one of the shows that i did was a series with um jenny garth uh and uh, Sadie Calvano was the daughter. John O'Hurley uh-huh. was the was the dad. Um, so Jenny and I played um, played cousins. I was supposed to just be her friend, uh-huh. but because uh, we look alike, I've been compared to her since I was in high school um, when she was on nine hundred two one zero, and I um, I tested to be her. And she actually fought for me, even Mm -hmm. though they were like, I don't know, you guys look too much alike, like that might be a problem. And so I offered to dye my hair. Now I know that I should offer to wear a wig, but Mm. at the time I was just like, I mean, I can dye my hair, like if if we look too much alike. So it was a very long process of the studio deciding what color they wanted my hair. So they had to put on like a red tint and then a brown tint and all of this stuff to figure out exactly what my hair should be. and then they decided, you know, does Jenny want to keep her hair short? If so, then we can have Rachel put extensions in. So hers is long. So they went through this whole process to make us look as different as possible. And then we still, I mean, yeah. it was so funny because on set when we were doing things, like we would do a scene and then we would both like bust out laughing. Cause right. I was like, it's kind of weird. Cause it's like looking in the mirror. Cause there's but it's some not, weird similarities. Yeah. <laughs> because our personalities are very sure. similar in, in how we talk. So We had a great time filming that together, and after that, it was probably like a two-month process that was for ABC Family, and when Mm -hmm. it didn't get picked up, which we were all shocked because it seemed like such a sure thing that it was going to happen, and then ABC Family kind of went a different way with a couple of things, and so it didn't end up being on the slate, and so I have black hair, essentially. And it's pilot season, so now I'm wanting to get out and audition for everything else. Well, everybody knows me as a blonde, so yeah. my agents are like, we need you to be blonde again, like, now. Yeah. And I go, okay, well, let's figure that out, because I don't know how that process works. So I go back, they take out my extensions, the girl is, like, dyeing my hair back, but because they had done vegetable dye on my hair, uh huh. apparently when you put bleach on top of that, it's flammable. Oh, nice. So my hair burned off. So, I had a forced pixie. So, if you see any pictures where my hair is shorter than yours, that was not intentional. Yeah. (laughs) But it was very real.
0: You ended up looking like pink.
1: It literally burned all my hair off. Wow. Uh, But that led to a really cool... Um, show that I did for MTV called um, Underemployed that I got to be this super big, can I say bitchy yeah, I was this super bitchy ad exec <laughs> and the only way that I got that is because I walked into the audition with my <laughs> with hair, <no> like, hair. <laughs> spiked up well it, I had a little <laughs> yeah. bit but it was like super short yeah. but I just you know it was all spiked up and you know heavy eyeliner and leather pants and I walked in they were just like ooh who's she yeah. she's mysterious
0: and then you can act and on yeah. top of that too and like <laughs> okay yeah, we don't need to see anybody else here, yeah right? they like
1: she's horrible yeah. and I would have never been Considered for that part, had I not looked the way that I did. Yeah. Because casting doesn't have a ton of, um, and producers don't have a ton of imagination in terms of what they, they just can just see something envision like, oh, that's
0: exactly what we want. Yeah. yeah.
1: They're just like, oh, no, this is what you are. And they like to put you in a little box. Yeah. So that's why I ended up doing comedy for so long. I had to step away from dramas to be able to just specialize in something. And yeah. then once I became known as like a comedy girl, then I that's to when do, the door
0: started opening. Yeah, and you do all the fun stuff. Yeah. Well,
1: then they they want you to bring the comedic relief to the dramas. Sure. So, like that's why I got Mad Men because. Yeah. You know, Matthew Weiner thought it was funny. He was like, "Oh, you're sassy and you're mean, and I love it."
0: <laughs> it's like I, I'm like the way you say it. I'm sure is exactly how he said it yeah. too, because it's just. That's just how everyone is. But. Yeah.
1: He was like, it's so funny to watch you like put Don Draper in his place. Yeah. You know? Because...
0: Because not many people did in that show.
1: No. And I was also probably one of the first girls to not be in bed with Don Draper, mm-hmm. but have scenes with Don Draper. Mm-hmm. So I got to kind of be unimpressed with him. And that yeah. was a turning point in the series. And it was the last... Last season, yeah. So it was fun, but it was actually slated that I was supposed to sleep with him. So he didn't know which way he wanted to go. He was like, either we're gonna have you be a love interest and do the last three episodes, or we're gonna make this a turning point, and we just haven't decided yet.
0: Yeah, which is cool to be that turning point.
1: It was the best. I'm so glad that it went that way.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's really cool. Um, For everyone listening, we are at like 51 minutes. We're gonna take a little comfort break. This is gonna be part one. Part two will come in a little bit. I just really would like a glass of water right now. So we will come back in a second. Cheers. All right, we're back with some iced water, which is awesome. (laughs) Um, So, you know, we were just talking about Mad Men and getting into the shows that you did. And and what I love that we just transitioned to is like the comedy side of things. Yeah. Like who, because comedy is such a natural thing. I mean, I know people are naturally funny, but then when they decide to go into it, they have to work extremely hard to be funny. Right, because sometimes what we think is funny isn't going to relate to some other audiences. But yes. when you're naturally funny, the people I think that make it obviously still work hard at it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, who I guess, because when you when you're naturally funny, it usually comes from the person you people you've grown up around, right? Like maybe dad has a really funny like, and it's something that like you just have that in you because comedy was something that was grown around you when you grew up. Was that the but same that for you always, or not?
1: But that doesn't always translate into being good at comedy on TV. It does not because okay. I know some of the funniest people.
0: The terrible to on have TV. a conversation
1: with, but that don't understand the timing of comedy, so they're okay. dreadful in a sitcom environment. Yeah. Um, to I mean to give an, an example of that, like I, um, so. I feel like I had a natural timing. It's not that I felt like I was a funny person, um, but I had a natural understanding of the rhythm of comedy. So when I started auditioning, and I was auditioning for um, comedies, and Mm. I was auditioning for dramas, um, I was more attracted to the challenge of the comedic timing and being able to make that part of it work. Okay. And I was less... Challenged by uh, the emotional, like having to cry and what it like. Yeah. That just, I, I have very accessible emotions so that was, I won't say easy for me but that was, that wasn't a, that as much of a challenge yeah. because I'm a very empathetic person so it's very easy for me to plug into the empathy of mm-hmm. what this character is going through and be able to draw emotions on that. Yeah. That feels like Okay.
0: Oh, I can do that. Yeah. yeah. Like I can cry twice, three times in a row and yes, keep doing a scene. No, that's fine.
1: Stepping onto a stage and making a live audience laugh the fourth time they've heard your joke. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. Right? Okay. So yeah. like that's a challenge to me. And that's why I think I fell so head over heels for comedy very early because on. Because of the challenge. It was hard. Yeah. It was extraordinary. Um, the, the complication of trying to get the timing and the intricacies. And, and here's the other thing that a lot of people don't know. So with writing, mm-hmm. if you change the words, even like if you add a word or mm-hmm. you forget a word in a comedy, you kill the joke.
0: Yeah, you're right. Because th- that has to be delivered in such a way.
1: Falls flat. Every time. So when you get people who come in and they think they're naturally funny, Mm -hmm. they'll want to improv and add things. Comedy writers hate those people. So they hate
0: improv then?
1: They don't hate improv. They hate improvers. Improvers are brilliant. They're incredibly funny, but they also have a respect for the comedy writers. So it's like if you have a multi-cam sitcom, you have it it is like the gospel. Don't change Mm -hmm. a word of that. Spend time, memorize it, know it. Exact yeah with a single camera which is more what fresh off the boat was um, on ABC that was a single camera so you could uh-huh. you could play a little bit but I, I was always very um, I want to honor the the text that is there and so I always do my dialogue as written and uh-huh. then I'll add a button at the end that they can edit off if they want but it doesn't change the integrity yeah. of the scene so uh, we would do buttons a lot but you don't change the dialogue okay. as sure. Just yeah. because, I mean, they're being—they're the ones being paid yeah. to be the writer. Like, let them be the writer.
0: Yeah, and that reminds me of a movie I saw recently that just came out on Netflix with Catherine. Someone she plays the name. Her actor is the name, and she's a British actor. And she's like, her show is being shut down. I can't remember what it's called. And this lady comes in and she becomes a writer. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's a brilliant. I can't remember what to it's send called. It to me so can... It's just come out. I can uh, Have you seen the TV show Sex Education? No, she's the she's the mum in that.
1: Oh, okay, um,
0: oh, it's gonna fry me. I'm gonna have to figure out what I, that movie is.
1: <laughs> you uh, have to text because me because she's it.
0: hilarious. But it's exactly what you're just saying. Mm-hmm. Like she has a TV show that it's like.
1: So they're letting you see behind the scenes of that. Yeah, and it's yeah. like
0: basically this this lady comes in. Um, she's like from India. She's come to do a job she works in like a factory at the time but she just applies for this comedy and they hire her because they need someone who's like ethnic on their like because she's been right. told that like shouldn't she hates women that's what the character's been told so they just hire someone they just hire this lady and she's never had any comedic experience her comedic experience is like cracking jokes on the pa system in the factory and oh, the whole yeah. movie is about her like breaking through and doing this thing but that's like you they have like six or seven writers who are like around a table, and she ends up writing all this funny stuff. But that makes sense because like in the there's bits where like she just doesn't write, say what the writers say, and the jokes would sort have of been killer. And yes. like they try to carry. You yeah. Know, long story short, the movie's awesome. I'm gonna I, find out what that lady's name. Yeah, is.
1: find out. I um so I learned so much about the process. I like I said, I'm very big on education, so I love learning everything that I can about the process. Um, so I actually did stand up. Um, for a little while because I wanted to learn more about joke writing and okay. like on that side of uh, on that side of it and it's at a time where I was um, spending a lot of time in a boxing gym um, uh, I boxed for seven years I did Muay Thai kickboxing that's and just boxing the best
0: workout ever
1: I, because I, f- I was fascinated by the community um, I fell in love with with this group of people um, um, in the boxing world. And so I boxed at wild card with Freddie Roach, um, who literally trains Mike Tyson and Manny Pacquiao. How was that? It was brilliant. (laughs) It was, it was brilliant. It was so much fun because I became a part of this world. They, like they, after a while let me in at first they were just like get out of here like what are you doing um but then they they finally embraced me as one of their own and now they are like my family um so cool Cool. but so when I was doing that I decided to do stand-up for a moment and I I quickly realized that you have to write about what you know and so all of my stand-up was about me being this you know this blonde little, yeah. you know, tart in a boxing gym and how out of place I was. And um it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Stand up is brutal because you walk in, all these open mics are at like eleven o'clock at night. Yeah. Which is a terrible time to try and have your brain operating at a high speed. Right. And you have to get on stage where everybody assumes you're gonna be terrible. And then you have to try and change their mind in like three minutes,
0: <laughs> which and is it's brutal. And they've seen. And the thing is, like, people who go to these shows, like, they know that like you're trying out all your new stuff, right? That's mm-hmm. where everyone goes, like, yeah. to, like, the comedy club and all this stuff. Like, that's where everyone goes to yeah. practice their material. So they already have, like, they already know that some of these jokes can be terrible. But also, sure. like, they're there because they want to hear bad jokes so they can have an excuse to yell to at you, hate right? You. Yeah, but like that. Yeah. That's all. The so, lady So I the lady's name was Gillian Anderson. Oh yeah. So it's, it's yeah, it's one of her movies.
1: I don't know what the name of the movie is, but it's awesome. Um yeah, so stand up was, was really hard and really challenging, but what I learned is that by having mm. um and I won't say mastery that I was amazing at mm. it, but having an understanding of it and a and a mastery of being able to understand how that process works, it made everything else so much easier because then I understood the joke writing process. I understood how crucial every word was. I understood how you can't mess that up or the joke falls flat because I'd been on stage and forgotten a word and yeah. then I was like oh shit I yeah. just run my whole joke
0: Yeah, <laughs> now I'm gonna and then you're going to do the whole delivery completely <laughs> different right yeah. like that whole and without doing that process you're not going to find out like you have to do that process because yeah. they're going through all those fails yes and you're like oh somebody laughed okay maybe onto something I'll change it up again I say well this word differently and then the whole place is on fire cracking up
1: yes so I went to a the Montreal Comedy Festival so a show that I wrote uh, was accepted into the Montreal Comedy Festival as one of the pilots mm-hmm. in the pilot program. So there were five shows um, and we were pitching it to a panel of executives. Um, and so I got invited to the, to Montreal, which is the first time I'd ever gotten a stamp on yeah. my passport. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going <laughs> to Canada.
0: This girl from Oklahoma is finally going somewhere and it's Canada <laughs> yes. of all places. Right?
1: Barely over the border. <laughs> um, and so I went to, with my writing partner, we went to, um, went to Montreal and I remember going to all these comedy shows and getting to see, you know, all the greats, they mm-hmm. were all there. So yeah. they, they go and they perform. Um, and then I was there as, as a writer. So I was just getting to go to all the, all yeah. the clubs and watch everybody. And I remember going into a club with um, this guy, Chris, who owns Gotham comedy club in New York. Mm-hmm. And he took us in cause one of his clients was performing and he took us in. So we were upstairs in like the VIP area. We were upstairs in the back and then it's just a packed auditorium down below right yeah. but we're up in the rafters by ourselves so like you can tell when the laugh is
0: from it's a real laugh. where it's yeah. isolated up yeah. top
1: so bill burr is doing his set um and it's uh what did he say um his, his whole set was on women um and how like don't tell me that being a mom is the hardest job in the world Because, you know, I thought being a redheaded roofer in July was pretty hard (laughs) or, you know, so he has this whole, whole bit on, you know, why you should never hit a woman. Um, He's like, I can think of a million reasons why you should hit a woman, but like, you just don't do it, you know? So anyway, I wasn't his target audience, but I was cackling because I appreciated the crafting of the jokes and like the delivery of it and how, like, I was just so enamored by the process that I thought it was brilliant and hysterical and Mm -hmm. I was laughing so hard. I was probably the only person laughing because the audience was not appreciating. They didn't get it, yeah. Just... Canadians or just, just the, were not into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so nobody was laughing. So afterwards, when we're having a conversation and I was like, I thought you were hysterical. He goes, were you that one person laughing upstairs? I was like, I was. I thought it was great. I thought yeah. it was incredibly hysterical. So he was like, man, he goes, those ju- jokes usually do a lot better. He goes, that fell so flat. He was like, thank you for that boost of confidence. tonight." <laughs> <And> I-
0: <laughs> <laughs> just that one person in the rafters, like, was screaming and like, laughing.
1: one person laughing? Yeah. I was like... I thought you were great, yeah. but it just that it is such an art form, and I mm. think that um, I I chose to pursue that because I have such a love for comedy sure. that um, that I'll do everything else, but, but I'll that's, never love But that's the always go back
0: to that always have that yeah. place.
1: And doing a multi ham is. Is like even more specifically what I love because then you are in front of a live audience, so the uh, audience actually becomes a character in the show. Sure. Um, because it's dependent on their laughter; like they they have to be a part of it. Yeah. And I love that. I, that's what Two and a Half Men and Big Bang Theory and so so, you can, when, so
0: people can come and watch like the, like the set and see the show like when they're there.
1: Yeah, and I that is the closest thing. So what I want to bring to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. I want a I'm claiming it here now yeah. this is what I want for Oklahoma I want a multi-cam com- uh, multi-cam comedy shot in Oklahoma okay. because I want it to have the energy of a sporting event for entertainment yeah like that's what I want uh, people, that's what I, mean, I want I'd, here.
0: I'd definitely go see it and I'm sure people would once they realized what it was and they got to see it for a few times they yeah you know you'd be in a one waiting list to get tickets
1: well you get to see behind the scenes like you, yeah. you get to see how everything is created and um when i was doing two and a half men i remember the episode i did with enrique iglesias mm. where he is singing out um that's out on charlie's, balcony. Playing,
0: right? yeah, yeah. charlie's playing right
1: <laughs> yeah. so you know there is a massive audience filled with all these women who are just like obsessed with enrique right. you know because he just travels. that was like the height of his oh, like
0: you know profession at the time
1: so we go in and we're doing our lines in front of this live audience and uh, after he sings you are so beautiful I have my line you know you should use those Mm -hmm. words and so after I would do that every time I would stop not every time but like for a few times I would stop and I'd be like ugh I messed up my line. Um, Let's do that one more time. Can we just back that up? I was like, girls, do you want to hear Enrique do that? Maybe one more time. And they would just lose their minds. They're like pulling their hair out and just going crazy. So you get to play with the audience and have so much fun. Um, If I had done that in a single camera comedy, they would be like,
0: what yeah. are you doing? You yeah. just messed
1: up, you know, four yeah. hours of production. <laughs>
0: we have a lot of time. You don't know, have any time left. Like, we're, you know, yeah. screaming at you. But yeah. But I guess you that's get cool. to play
1: with the audience. And there's um, there's more of an inclusivity that's really, mm-hmm. really cool in that environment. That, yeah.
0: I think it's a great way to transition to coming home. Uh, right. Making the decision, having a baby, coming home, raising a child here in Oklahoma. And, and at the time, you know, Oklahoma has you know like i said gray came home Mm -hmm. and you know a good friend of both of ours lance was doing his thing and just the film industry in oklahoma that no one really has any idea its potential unless you're in the industry or you know uh my how many so my brother-in-law his brother i don't know how that works out is josh (laughs) McCamey. do you know josh McCamey? i know the name so josh has done is a director and done Mm -hmm. some stuff. He's in the film industry here. Um, A lot of his stuff has been like animation stuff or um, just small budget stuff. But we watched a movie recently down at Harkins. They had a viewing for it a couple of months ago and it was about some rabbit and some of Glamour actors and stuff. It, it was really cool. But mm. hes he, he is definitely someone who would, you know, he is pushing for it as well. And um, Lance will know. Lance is listening. Josh maybe is listening. He'll know. <laughs> Lance will know what we're talking about. But
1: Hi, Josh. I should meet you. Yeah,
0: you guys will meet you. I'm <laughs> sure you, you probably—you may have already have met. Yeah, I don't know. He's probably been in some of the same places. But he probably hates me for saying this because he's very humble and he doesn't like to be in the limelight, but he's very good at what he does. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're welcome, Josh. Uh, so yeah, coming home and like, you know, you're you know, I guess not leaving the profession, but you're like, I'm gonna come home, I'm a mum now or mom. Um gonna you can come, call me a mom, that's yeah, right. Come back to the come back to Oklahoma and like with, I guess, this vision of of like I'm gonna build something at home, right?
1: That was not my vision at all. No. So you're um, like,
0: I need to come home, Mom. You need to take care of the kids.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I so the if you had asked me ten minutes before I actually gave birth, yeah, my plan, because you know I'm a planner. sure I think you understand that about yeah. me by now, love right? Yeah. Love the list. Okay, so I love the list. So my I literally planned. I was lucky enough to get pregnant. Um, Easily, Mm -hmm. uh, which I know is, is uh, not everybody's experience. Um, But I, I was like, well, I'm going to plan it around what would be convenient if I can. I mean, and then if I can't, then that's. That's God's control and not mine. But um, I literally planned my baby around pilot season so that I was like, okay, so I can have the baby in July. And then I can have like a couple of months to be able to get back, you know, in my skinny jeans and back on set. And I'll be ready by January. Like, I mean, I'm a psycho. Like, I had it all (laughs) mapped out. Yeah. And then the second he was born, I was just like, oh. I just want to be here for like a little bit and, and I'm just going to need more time to get to know him and to be around him. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't want to go back to work right away. And I remember going back, um, on set, he was seven weeks old and I remember going back and he had colic at the time. We were like three weeks into colic, which is hell. I mean, just like the worst experience you can have as a parent. um, and so we weren't sleeping. We—he uh, was like having these screaming fits where he just turns blue, and you have yeah. no idea what to do. And I'm having to go and do a 14-hour day with hair and makeup. So it's like, don't cry, or you are going to screw everything up. So I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I've got all these hormones just surging through my yeah. body. So I'm like trying not to cry. Yeah, like I really would like emotional. to go to a kickboxing
0: class right now and take uh, all my anger out.
1: I would love to just without <laughs> any energy the hell out of something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and instead I am. So in my trailer, I get an hour and a half early. I come to set Mm. to, uh, you know, my husband was able to come with me and we would set the baby up in the trailer. Um, I would nurse him. He would go to sleep. I would run to hair and makeup. It's it's like a two hour process to like pull all that together. And then I would come back, feed him again, get him to sleep again, and then run to set and hope that I had like two hours yeah. Before turnaround time, so everything was just having to That's be so scheduled in ca- when there is no control. Like right. you can't control a baby, you can't control like when they're gonna.
0: Yeah, what? yeah, you can't control a baby. All set. Right? So you can't
1: control anything. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. And so I, I did that for. So I came in and I finished that season, and, and so I mean I did three seasons with a baby, yeah. and they were all incredible. The last one was much easier than than the other two, but. It just became like where I was turning down work for everything. I was like, I will do two and I will do um fresh off the boat, I don't wanna do anything else. Yeah. I, I do not want to go and be on set right now until this is more
0: stable. Stable
1: yeah. because I don't wanna go and like make a first impression and people think that I'm terrible to work with because I'm like this emotional basket case walking around trying to like pull myself together.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I just I, I just kind of like Sure. Pulled away a little bit. I mean, I still was working, so I was working more than... But you are working with people who friends. trust and know that yeah. you can
0: act rather than making a first impression, like yes. you said, because that first impression is everything.
1: It is everything Especially in, in,
0: in acting in Hollywood.
1: Yeah. Although I will say bad behavior gets rewarded all the yeah. time in Hollywood, so maybe if I threw a tantrum every once in a while, I'd get more work.
0: Yeah. So can you cry again? Sure. <laughs> yes. yes. I can do that. Yes. How, do you want ugly cry? Okay, I got yeah, that too. How ugly <laughs> like, do you want that
1: to be? Um, so we... You know, so I, I had that experience. And what I started noticing in the last year that I was in l a is that all of my auditions uh-huh. weren't in l a. So okay. I was putting myself on tape for shows that were going to be shot in Atlanta mm. or in New Mexico or in Vancouver or in New York or in, you know, New Zealand. Yeah. Or, so every, I, there was started to be this trend where because streaming was changing the industry so much, mm. it was also changing the, the locations where everything was being filmed. So everything was being spread out. Okay. And so I just had this moment where I thought, to hop on a plane for work anyways i'm gonna go buy a house yeah make an investment i'm gonna be closer to my family and i'll just travel from there like it's in the center of the country so it'll be easier it's to so get much to easier these places to go places yeah because my agent would literally tell me um okay well there's this series that starts you know kevin james has a pilot that's you know picked up for series mm-hmm. i want you to go in and audition for the wife you would have to relocate and move to new york like next week and i was like and find a pediatrician and find somewhere to... Like, I don't know any... I can't yeah. just pick up a baby and, like, go to New York. I just gave right. birth. Like, actually, I think that was before... That was before I'd even had the baby. Yeah. So, they wanted me to audition where I was nine months pregnant. Yeah. And I would literally, hopefully, have the baby and then be able to wow. move... But I have with the a baby in New York. Trying to figure yeah. out, like... It's just, like, there's there is no plan for any of that kind of right. stuff so when i moved back to oklahoma it was with the 100 percent plan that i would travel for work mm-hmm. and that i was just going to make that happen yeah. from here and when i got here that's when i was pleasantly surprised that there was more of an industry mm-hmm. kind of bubbling here than i knew yeah and um And so I, I mean, I just diverted all of my focus to, okay, okay, so if I can help this industry grow, then maybe I can do what I love, where I love, and then I don't have to travel for work. And then my family can just be here and I can raise my little boy that, you know, in the place that I love. Right. That sounds great. I'm willing to hustle for that. Yeah. So
0: that's so cool to have that, like just that surprise of being, you know what? Yeah. Okay. Why not? Like this, there's no reason this can't happen here.
1: No reason. I Well, and I will tell you, I I very much um, listen mm. to where I feel like I'm being called. I was being called to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I, I felt that God wanted me to go there 20 years ago. Um, didn't quite understand why. Didn't know anybody. Didn't have much experience. Yeah. Didn't really have a plan, but I was willing to figure it out. Um, I had a wonderful experience there. I did start feeling called home. Mm-hmm very much in the last year. And so I listened and I just did it. And I was like, look, I can always go back. If it doesn't work, I I have an investment. At least I own something here, you know, um, which is more than would have ever happened in Los Angeles. I'm closer to family. My parents just bought a house in Edmond as well. So now I actually get to see them more. Um, That's not a bad thing. And I, I feel like everything that has been put in my place since I've been back Mm -hmm. has happened so incredibly fast. Um, And I don't feel like that's an accident. Like I feel like it is all like a bigger orchestration that I'm just a piece in that. Um, And so I'm just trying to listen to like what the next appropriate steps are and who the people I'm supposed to be doing it with. And, um, you know, I did this short Mm -hmm. film with Lance Uh, when I first got back was my first experience really getting to know Lance. And we did a faith-based short film that is going to be in dead center. And I had such an incredible experience because mm. everything that I had done to date before that was network television where there's hundreds of people around. Yeah. And Lance and I did this project where there's like 15 people, you know? Yeah. And that's it, all of us. And it was incredible. Like, it was so much fun. I was like, I want to do more of that. Yeah. That's so fulfilling and creatively challenging. Mm. And I just want more experiences like that. And I know what... Is missing here?
0: Sure, yeah, and uh, that's kind of the reason you know you said like once you came back, everything just started falling into place and happened so fast that because it that's why I asked was it a vision because it makes it look like that it does. right? It makes it look like you came back with the exact plan and you knew what you're going to do and just hit the ground running. Let's
1: just stick with that because that sounds that. more like yeah. I know what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, I'll, don't everyone listening can forget what I just said. Um, so. Because last year was it at the end of last year? You and you and Matt went to the to this capital and had like this huge win. We, Tell me about that.
1: So Matt and I um, found out that there were they were um, putting a bill through. Where they were asking for a tax credit in addition to the tax rebate that's already in place, mm-hmm. and a tax credit is a little bit differently because it's not giving cash back; it's putting money back into Oklahoma. Sure. Um, so, and it's what most of the other states do, and they're able to give a higher amount because um, because it's not cash. So. Okay. You can you can work with a little bit more. And what Matt and I are really passionate about is you know our backgrounds are in TV. Matt wrote for um, CBS shows mm. and I acted on CBS shows yeah. and others. Uh, but we both know what that industry can do if it comes here for mm-hmm. our economy um, and how many jobs it can create and the consistency of a TV series and what that does for an industry. Mm-hmm. And so right now we have, we have a cap and it's small and it will support small budget films. Yeah. Um, but if we could open that up to something bigger. So our whole thing was, um, you know, we just went in and educated. So coming back to that, yeah. um, to just say, here's our experience in the industry. Here's what, you know, and just kind of answering some questions. So we mm-hmm. got to sit down with, um, you know, the pro tem and the appropriations chair and, um, a lot of the senators and a lot of the house reps and, um, and it was a wonderful experience that I feel like I learned so much Mm. about how bills are created and how they get passed through. And, um, it's been a really fun process. And then of course the pandemic kind of shut everything down. But the day before the pandemic happened, we were at the Capitol, you know, sitting in Brian Hill's office and, you know, talking to him about the future of Oklahoma and like what we can all do if we work together. And it's been an extraordinary experience. And I will say, um, I don't have a like a political science degree like if you had asked me mm-hmm. five years ago who my senator was i wouldn't even know where to go yeah. to look for that information and now i feel like i have you know a good amount of friends that are senators on yeah. facebook and you know texting people like hey, right. i heard your bell passed. congratulations yeah and the fact that i know about any of that stuff feels like such a a gift Sure. You know, just to be able to be a part of that process and understand how it works. Mm So, um, you know, hopefully we'll go back in the fall. But I think our, um, you know, our state is in a very complicated Mm -hmm. uh, place right now with oil and gas being what it is. And um, so they're doing the best they can with what they have. And I hope that this is something that can create jobs
0: for yeah.
1: Oklahoma that can come in and diversify the landscape that's already here, mm-hmm. because instead of being so up and down, it would be nice if there was just something else that could come in and provide some consistency. Just for a people. steady
0: film industry in in here, because I, I seen that. I think I saw yeah. the press release for it, and like this, someone has mocked up this beautiful looking building, mm-hmm. right? That's like that. This is the plan. This is what I think we, you know, studios and like sit on set and all the rest of it, and. I think I got a pretty good buzz out of it, right? People seem yeah. to like it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there is there is an entire industry that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's a very transient industry, um, but if if there is a foundation for it here, then they will come. Yeah. you know, like you will have businesses set up, you will have jobs created, and and not just you know, people coming in and taking those jobs. Like we want those jobs for Oklahomans and Mm -hmm. that's where education is a big part of it is being able to, um, make sure that, you know, OCCC is turning out students all the time. Francis Tuttle has a great program. Like -hmm. there are lots of programs that are established here, um, in Oklahoma and in the state that are trying to help people see that these are pivot, uh, pivot jobs you already have the skills you know just learn how to do it specifically for film and then you have another mm. place where you can make money like carpenters um, you know build houses guess what yeah. we also build houses right
0: yeah <laughs> you know multiple houses in yeah. multiple yeah, in we the just same leave location of the walls off. you yeah. know we just
1: build you know three wall houses yeah. so that you can film inside um, so it's you know we need plumbers and electricians and carpenters and seamstresses yeah. and accountants and there are lots of jobs it's not just actors and directors which is what a lot of people think
0: right and and the good thing like you know you know there's there's going to be that girl who who are the same thing as you right she, you know she goes to OU and and she goes into acting but she now doesn't have to leave she has a job in Oklahoma really to do a fashion, you know like that's i guess that's the whole goal of that you know just for industry purpose of having skilled people know that, look, like, you don't have to try and go to l a and sleep on the floor in a friend's apartment or whatever, yeah. and, like, you know, try and get a wasted job and struggle, like yeah. really, really struggle. yeah, um, and you can do it from home. like that's that's really cool.
1: we want to be able to create um, an environment where we can retain the talent where we can bring some of the talent back um, home that's already left. Um, and, yeah, that we can have an industry here because yeah. there's so much talent. Coming out of Oklahoma, our goal is: yeah. how do we capture that and keep I, that here?
0: I recently found out that Ron Howard's from Duncan. Yeah, I, I mean, Ron Howard directed one of one—I guess one of my favorite movies was so Rush, the Formula yeah. One movie. Such yeah. a good movie. Um,
1: There's so many talented people in and the you're industry. Like he, here. who you know, like that, Lally, Karen from Will and Grace. Yeah. Megan Lally's from here. Um, you have Mark Cherry, Ron Howard. Yeah. There's a bunch. James yeah. Marsden, he's a great actor. Yeah.
0: And now these people in the future, the names that we're going to be hearing, are, we're going to know a lot more about them because and, and, they're going to be working now instead of, I'm sure they're going to leave and you're always going to go places. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's that's a cool thing and a cool goal to work towards, right? Like, And Matt, you know, people listening know Matt's photography because I share it quite a lot on the Instagram page and, and Matt's been on the podcast before. and I mean, Matt, I think, recently is probably most well-known for spending three weeks with Val and Amy Castor last year's storm season and making a documentary out of it. Maniac. Crazy. Um, that day that we had two tornadoes in the same helicopter shot, yeah, Matt was on the ground three miles away.
1: Shaking in the back
0: of the car. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what an experience. Yeah, he's uh, a
1: brilliant photographer. Like, he, he is such a talent. It's mm. incredible, like, just what he can do with a camera.
0: Yeah, it's 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 almost like... It's kind of annoying how good he is with a camera, right? Yeah. But you appreciate the stuff that he goes to see. And he travels a lot. Um, has there been places where, I mean, you traveled quite a bit as well? Like, outside, I know you went to Canada, mm-hmm. but, like, that was the first time. What is there other places that you've been to do?
1: So, I shot a series in Chicago. I shot a series in uh, in uh, Atlanta, most of my work was in sure. in Los Angeles, and the reason is because I did comedies. Yeah, um, there's no like big sitcoms movie sitcoms stuff. But wait. Are, yeah. Well, movies are everywhere. Dramas are everywhere. Comedies still are kind of like In-house. a pocket thing that are done mm-hmm. um, in Los Angeles, and the reason is because you have uh, table reads and run-throughs with network and studio where they have to mm-hmm. come in and watch and approve okay. everything through the week. So you get a new script every single day um, until show night, mm-hmm. uh, which is why it's so interesting that you have to have every word memorized gotcha. when you get a new script every morning with all these changes. So you really only have one day to okay. fully memorize yeah. and not mess up. Um, but because of the inclusivity of needing the network in the studio nearby, they've always done those in Los sure. Angeles. I'm hoping to change that with yeah. digital enhancements. Definitely. You know, why not?
0: Um, we spent enough time, I guess, talking about work for you what do you do for fun other than be a mum? <laughs> do you have a do you have a life outside of work and being a mum? Mm, like I guess not right now, but did you before yeah, COVID hit?
1: Right right. Um, yeah, I mean I I love being around friends and family and um, you know, I devote a big part of my life to mentoring other women, um, trying to help them uh, start a business of their own and to understand business, I think that we need more female CEOs and mm-hmm. um, women at the table for, you know, in the higher positions. And so I have dedicated a, a large part of my life to uh, helping women understand their value sure. beyond maybe what they think they have and, uh, and helping them understand that, you know, glass ceilings are meant to be broken, Yeah, and, you know. You're capable of of whatever you put your mind to. And sometimes, you know, you just need somebody to believe in you before you're ready to believe in yourself. And so I I do a lot of that work Mm -hmm. here. Um, I don't know that that's a hobby. I don't know. Maybe I don't have
0: any hobbies anymore. Outside of, you know, working.
1: Yeah. Um, I like riding bikes. Does that count?
0: Yeah. Like competitively? (laughs) Or like just going on a cruise?
1: No, just like a cruise. We used to do it at the beach. Now we do it like around Lake Hapner or whatever. Yeah. So.
0: Which as long as it's not windy, it's okay. But if it's windy, it's miserable.
1: So I actually that's learned I ride my bike to. that you need you need the gears. Yeah. That no bikes had gears in Los Angeles because you're just cruising you're along just the cruising. beach and it doesn't yeah. matter. And then when I bought bikes here and they were like, well, you really need the gears. I go, eh, I'm not going to use those anyways. You need those <laughs> with wind. Yeah. Coming back to Louis
0: in a south wind is not fun when it's 100 degrees outside.
1: Yeah, you're just like the... the And
0: you're not out for exercise, you're out for a casual bike ride.
1: I'm in a cruiser, a beach cruiser, and there's nothing cruisy about it. That's
0: like hilarious. Punishment. And um, I, yeah, I assume you have the little one, you know, you have your son on the back too, right? So you've added weight. Yeah, the like, tra- well, I usually oh, make my husband have the trailer. Yeah. But
1: yeah. Um, you know, we, everything, he's the new sheriff in town. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything circulates around him right now. So I uh, work a lot during the day and I take breaks. I have built in breaks to play trucks mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. paint stuff on the floor, as you can see. Um it's just all about him right now. I think I waited long enough to have kids that I was ready for it to be all about sure. him. And so I enjoy living life through his eyes.
0: Yeah. A, a friend of mine who's, when this goes out, her birthday would have not been yesterday, but her birthday was yesterday until the day we're recording. And, uh, she happy birthday. If you're listening, Kirsten Holder, um, <laughs> her son they, they call him the baby dictator and it's just the i just yeah. love it yeah she's like baby dictator we have to do this at this time i think that makes
1: total sense they change everything uh, they change your schedule in ways that you i mean they go to bed at like six o'clock at night you know 6 30 at night so you're not able to go out and have dinner at yeah. i mean like we go out to dinner at like five o'clock with
0: like all the old people right
1: yes <laughs> Yeah, but I'm like, man, I see I actually you.
0: really enjoyed dinner at five. <laughs>
1: it's quite lovely.
0: Yeah. All right, I'm going to finish with some quick-fire questions, which I haven't done this for a while, and people who listened for a long time know that these aren't really quick-fire because we end up lasting a little longer than like your two-minute quick-fire round. But best experience you've had outside of acting?
1: Uh, so the company that I told you about, um, or the mentorship program mm-hmm. that I do, so I it's with a company and I hit the top of the company in the first three years. and um, that coincided with when I had my baby and I was recognized by the company in front of 17,000 of my peers. And I walked out with a seven, a seven week old baby strapped to my chest. Yeah. And the cool moment about that was that it wasn't about me. It was about what is possible sure. and showing 17,000 women that, You can do this and this, you know, at the same time, you don't have to choose. You can be a strong businesswoman and you can be a stay-at-home mom. And, like, those two things can coexist. And I walked out behind this woman, Crystal Archie, who is married to a pro football player. And uh, she had an address that was, like, $15,000. Like, it was just this beautiful gown that was like...
0: Like every girl's dream.
1: I mean, she looks like a Barbie. Like, she's so beautiful, and she just looked like a princess, and, you know, I just gave a birth seven weeks (laughs) before, and so I'm wearing a $100 maxi dress with, like, milk stains on it, and a baby strapped to me that has colic that's a ticking time bomb that (laughs) can start screaming at any moment, and I got a standing ovation. Yeah. Because Because I was was representing something real yeah uh, not that she's not real but no
0: but like you know. everyone can really relate to yeah you know walking around with sick on you with a yeah. <laughs> taking time bombs a baby that's ill and yeah. being in front of those people
1: and the, the doctors you know threw their arms up and yeah. when I walked out and they were just like wow so it was just a moment that was um that was not about me that I got yeah. to share with with so many other women
0: did it feel like taking you back to being an OU in front of all those people
1: yeah, but nobody from Nebraska was there throwing <laughs> things at me. <laughs> you know, we had to go back to that. You
0: right? had to go back to that. Yeah, You've got to get that in before the end. That's called um, a callback, guys. It is uh, favorite song at the moment.
1: Favorite song. Uh, you are my sunshine. You Are you singing old.
0: that to him a lot?
1: <laughs> yeah, we did that one a lot. Or this um, little light of mine.
0: Favorite song of all time.
1: Oh, jeez. My husband would Divorce me for this Um, He's a musician And I'm so bad With music Uh, Wheels Is a song That my husband wrote
0: Okay Last person you saw Live in concert My husband Most famous person You've ever met
1: (sighs) Muhammad Ali Yeah I I was
0: gonna say And and that could be Like for you Not like In the grand scheme Of things like some you might have m- met someone that's super famous but he, he's a friend now so you he, you know uh,
1: I, I was uh, Chris Pine's personal trainer for a while I did his um, I was like the coach that got him in shape for Star Trek nice so uh,
0: who is somebody that you wish you could have worked with
1: hmm Nicole Kidman
0: in any type of movie
1: anything anything yeah, she's just a she's genius. Awesome. She is such a, uh, she has such a devotion to the craft mm. that a lot of people don't share. She's pretty extraordinary.
0: Football or basketball? Football. Favorite meal?
1: Macaroni and cheese.
0: Favorite restaurant in town?
1: In town? Yeah. Woo! Um,
0: Pre-COVID.
1: Pre-COVID, right. Uh Barrio's is really fun uh-huh. I like that place um, A new place A new favorite Is uh, North State Burger Yeah
0: uh, New State is it? New State? New State Burger Yeah yes. yeah yeah mm, Real good Yeah um, that's been
1: post-COVID That we discovered So I can't wait to go sit at the bar
0: uh, Go to Starbucks Walter.
1: Ugh, this is going to make me sound obnoxious
0: uh, oh you'd be surprised to some of the people <laughs> I've asked that question and without second hesitation they've reeled off double pump this with an extra shot of this and I'm like whoa okay, I'm people are serious bad. about this Starbucks yeah. so you have no shame don't worry
1: All about right. it I'm a uh, grande vanilla latte with three pumps vanilla um,
0: let's see I have a list of these so I'm trying to go down the list but uh, some of these the, the next one would have been best burger in town but you've already you'd like new steak yep. which is awesome Um, yep, yep. um what would, I'm going to finish with this, what is the most bizarre green room request you've ever heard of? <laughs> uh,
1: well, I, I mean, we don't have a lot of green room requests, but I will I will tell you the weirdest. Um, I worked with, I did a film with Diane Keaton, and she stopped production because there was a photographer on set who was uh, squatting down to get a shot. <laughs> and she lost her mind because she was like, you don't ever shoot a woman from that angle. Like stop full on stopped production to yeah. educate this photographer on how to capture an appropriate photograph of, of a woman, especially a woman of a certain age. Yeah. Um, and I mean, as if Diane Keaton wasn't as good as it gets for me, she it's certainly like became my queen. Full
0: power. Yeah.
1: I was just like, you are a special kind of yeah. magic. Um, Goldie Hawn, that's who I haven't worked with that I would also love to okay. work with.
0: Awesome. Well, um, this has been an absolute pleasure. You're uh, fun. Thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and Absolutely. thank you to your husband for taking care of the little one. I know you said <laughs> he may be running around somewhere, but um, yeah, yeah this, uh, I'm sure everyone listening had a great time just hearing your stories and seeing how far you've come and what you've done, what you've overcome and just you know, gone from, like you said, that, that girl in, in at OU two years in and thinking, you know, what, I'm going to just try and film. I'm going to get out of cheerleading which, you know, uh, in, high, in, in high school and college, like, that's some people's dream. Like, they would, there's people now who work nine to five jobs, live their best lives for four years being a cheerleader, right? Sure. So, you know, to give up that at that age was I'm sure not easy but then going full force into acting and, and just coming full circle and coming back to town and now putting every effort into, you know, bringing the film industry to Oklahoma. I think that's something that we're super excited about, I guess, as a state. Thanks. I'll say that on behalf of everybody. And, yeah, I look forward to seeing the future and seeing the little one grow. And he'll be on set soon, I'm sure.
1: He, he will.
0: Awesome. We'll how, how can everyone, like, follow you and keep up with what you're doing?
1: Sure. So um, my... I have, like, massive arachnophobia, and there's a spider over there. So I'm like, oh, my God.
0: If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or something, the full episode is live. I'm,
1: like, I'm I'm full on sweating right now. Um, (laughs) And it's just, like, a grass spider. But that doesn't matter. They're all It's about the
0: size of a quarter, and I hate spiders, so.
1: (laughs) That's okay. I won't let them get near you. Trust me. Thanks. Um, So my website is rachelcannon.com. My uh, Instagram is rachelwcannon, as well as my Mm -hmm. Was my original name. Um, cannon is not my married name, so please don't ever call my husband Noah Cannon. <laughs> uh, With, it is how name. did you
0: pick the canon?
1: family name um, okay. when I joined the Screen Actors Guild Rachel Wells was already taken uh, apparently by a porn star um, oh, so nice. not me yeah. uh, But so I just changed it legally because sure. it was when I first moved there so yeah. again like you just kind of want to establish yourself as. That makes sense. instead of be like oh do I introduce myself mm, as yeah. my professional name or as like well, my real both. name yeah. so I just changed it um, right. but Noah Ang is my husband All right. if anybody awesome. is curious And you yeah. just got Musician of the Year by 405 Magazine sick after being in town because I had
0: instagram of the year somehow Yay. i think matt really pulled some strings for that because i never it was an editor's choice instagram it wasn't a oh people actually voted for you it was a well
1: you're my yeah, favorite account like, i appreciate
0: that you have it's extraordinary not my, pictures It's, it's none of beautiful. mine we have amazing photographers in town that i love to share so anyway cool. awesome
1: so nice to meet you
0: thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure for everyone yeah. listening i'll post everything down below as usual and you can go and watch this on facebook and youtube and instagram tv maybe we'll see if you're lucky um catch you guys next episode cheers Bye bye thank you for listening we are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories for more great oklahoma content follow this is oklahoma on facebook and instagram